electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer America. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make a little money. My job is not just to educate, but also to entertain and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CNBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Sometimes... It all comes down to economics 101, telling the difference between what's macro, meaning the broader economy, and what's micro, meaning what's company specific. And that's how I felt after last night's jaw-dropping interview with Raj Subramanian. He is the brand new CEO of FedEx, where he dropped a bomb right here about one of the worst earnings misses I've seen in ages. He thinks we're headed toward a worldwide recession. His comments were an important wake-up call, picked up everywhere, I have to admit, that sent the market down today. Dow slipping 139 points, S&P sinking 0.72%, Nasdaq coming 0.90%. Once again, though, this is what's really important because you're catching me at the end of the day. Once again, the market was much lower intraday and managed to rally in the close to find the pattern the other day where it was much higher than it went lower. These days are traumatic. So why then do I say it all comes down to macro versus micro? Because when a CEO comes on here and tells us that things are going awry everywhere, China because of COVID, Europe because of Putin, America because of Fed rate hikes, well, maybe there's more to it than that. You have to figure out how much of the miss comes from the macro, all those things I just mentioned, and how much might be from what I would regard as perhaps suboptimal execution. <laughs> or perhaps a calculated decision to get costs under control now before we get too deep into recession and we're off the rails. In this case, I think it's 70% macro of FedEx. The global economy really is in rough shape. And 30% company specific. And the FedEx needs to do some very serious cut, cost cutting. It's got to do it now. The actual revenues you see weren't even all that bad. It's the earnings missed by $500 million. The earnings that are weak, meaning execution definitely played a role. Still, when the CEO of FedEx says worldwide recession... We're not going to dispute him. He's got too much of a book of business to do that. I'm taking him at his word. So that's where we're going to start our game plan for next week. Because 
the Fed chief, Jay Powell, watched our interview last night. And I, I think he catches the show periodically. I mean, there was no sports on last night until, what, Amazon, Amazon. Uh, he might discover that he's made more progress whipping inflation than he might realize. Then again, if he just reads the briefing books of the Fed, Federal Reserve like they did in 2008, he's going to miss what's really happened. See, we're in the midst of a truly aggressive Fed tightening cycle after a monstrous amount of inflation. No doubt about that. The scuttlebutt says that we'll get another 75 basis point rate hike at this Fed meeting. Third in a row, because they're bringing the pain to stamp out wage inflation. Yeah, he's creating the house of pain because we can't have house of pleasure. I get that. Unfortunately, we're only just now seeing the effects of the last rate hikes that have taken mortgages to 6%. Have you noticed that? And laid the groundworks for firings and bankruptcies across the economy. But after those FedEx numbers, maybe Powell will hit us with another 75 basis point hike right here. And then say, maybe it's time to take a more measured approach in order to assess how things are going with wages, with rents, the usual. Now, that, not another 75 basis point hike in short order, might be what I call prudent, the prudent move. And by the way, prudence is warranted after the negative corporate news flow that we are now getting. And it's a flood. The United States has the strongest economy of any large industrial uh, nation in the world. But we may not be able to withstand a worldwide recession that FedEx is talking about, especially while hobbled by dramatically higher interest rates than we had a year ago. The help wanted signs are about to come down, I think. But we don't want them replaced with going out of business or lost our lease placards. Now, there's plenty more in our game plan that could make life easier for J-Pal. And let's start with AutoZone on Monday. Look, the average car keeps getting older, right? Because we can't make enough new coins, and the old cars need more replacement parts, which translates into more customers for AutoZone. I expect a bang-up quarter. This stock's been a fabulous long-term winner. I want to know if they see an end to the morass that is the car shortage, which would be crucial to beating inflation. Whenever Powell talks about bringing the pain to cool down the economy, he's speaking of wages, homes, and cars. Wages, homes, and cars. So AutoZone can give us some real insight. If only the car companies could somehow meet the darn demand. They are nowhere near doing so, and used cars aren't coming down enough for Powell to stop right here. They are a real point of pain and contention that makes Powell have to be tough. By the way, we're seeing a similar dynamic in housing. Later tonight, we're speaking to Ted Decker. He's the CEO of Home Depot. You should know that the average age of a housing stock is getting to be around 40 years old. Both cars and homes are getting real long in the tooth. They need care, and that kind of care costs money. On Tuesday, one of the most uh, despised stocks in the world, yet it's still owned by a lot of people, is NVIDIA. Yes, and NVIDIA gives us a glimpse into the future on Tuesday, the future of the omniverse. And this longtime charitable trust holding has been tarred and feathered because it's tied to a pair of definite declining industries. Gaming, and yes, I'm sorry, but crypto. But NVIDIA is the kind of innovation powerhouse that sees the future before you and I do. I think we'll learn a great deal when we hear from the visionary CEO, Jensen Wong. Now, look, I know the stock's been horrendous before. There's no doubt about that. And sticking with it on the way down was a mistake. But that's how NVIDIA behaves. You get terrifyingly swift moves down, followed by long rallies. I'm not going to miss a word of this speech. 11 a.m., by the way. Eastern, you can watch NVIDIA's website. NVIDIA will bottom when everyone who can't take pain leaves it. I sense we're closing in on that moment, but we are not there yet. On Wednesday, the Fed will overshadow anything that is said by individual companies, but we've got some important ones reporting, like Lenar and KB Homes, gigantic home builders. I think both home builders will be soft. How can they be anything else with mortgage rates soaring so fast? 
We definitely need the price of housing to come down if we're going to beat inflation. Anything that indicates cancellations, that's the number I'm looking for, or a lack of traffic should be well-received by the market. And I've got to tell you, it's very strange. The home builder stocks moved up today. I think that's because some investors are beginning to think that maybe the Fed knows that it can declare victory not far from now, meaning that they may hold off from still rapid-fire rates after Wednesday because they don't want to blow it all up. Next week is also Dreamforce. That's a pilgrimage of tech run by Salesforce.com's Mark Benioff. We'll be out there to cover, and we're going to pay close attention to the Wednesday analyst meeting that Salesforce is throwing. Salesforce is a worldwide company, and that used to be a good thing. But now it's being hit by the strong dollar everywhere while also experiencing a choppy quarter. And that's not what people will want to hear. Salesforce, like NVIDIA, is part of the tech bear market. I don't think we'll hear anything that tells us it's time to buy the stock. So why don't we just sell the darn thing for the charitable trust? Because we take a longer-term view, people. Do you know that we've liked Salesforce since 8 bucks? We've liked NVIDIA since about 20 bucks. I mean, look, we're staying the course if, if Salesforce is an ugly moment. This too shall pass. I am not going to give up on quality companies only to see them roar back six months from now or maybe a year. And that's what happens when you sell quality companies. Hey, junk companies, do whatever you want. Sometimes you you don't need to overthink things, though. The short-term trade, the one that's going to work, the one that everybody loves, is going to be what we used to call generous mills, general mills. Because if FedEx is right about a global recession, then people are going to hunker down the food stocks. Those are the best in show. So all of these won't do as well, probably, as general mills, GIS. Now, last week, we went to see Craig Jelinek. He's the uh, unassuming CEO of Costco. And I liked everything he said because Costco thinks long-term. Most investors are worried about the company's margins. That's wrong. Costco cares about quality, value, and sales growth. I think that's the only way to measure the big box membership club. I'll bet this number will be pretty darn good. But that might not mean anything right now because people hate these kinds of stocks. I told the investing club in our very well-attended monthly meeting, you can still check it on the website, that I actually wish Costco's stock would come down so we can buy more. In this market, I'll probably get my wish. Thursday, we also get the actual report from the company that brought the house down with its pre-announcement last night, FedEx. I think actually we will learn more, but it won't change the company's trajectory. We'll learn about what costs have to be cut. The new Qualcomm will also be on display when the company throws an analyst meeting that will detail all the automobile work that's now being done by this former pure play telco chip maker. I think it will change the perception and maybe people like this 10 times earnings stock that we own for the Chapel Trust. Not much Friday, just some different indicators for manufacturing and service. I put them up, though, because these, all these different ancillary numbers have gotten weaker. Uh, these all do matter. But coming so close to the Fed meeting, they'll just be used to mock Jay Powell, regardless of what he actually says. Poor guy. Can't get no respect. Bottom line, yes, it's bleak out there. I'm not changing that in my view. It is, I know, this isn't, though, the first time I've seen bleak. We'll get through it together, but it takes time and, unfortunately, prices, meaning lower prices, and perhaps even an end to this miserable month before we can feel more certain about what we can buy and less certain, at last, about what we can sell. Why don't we go to Dave in New Hampshire? Dave! Yeah. Hi, Jim. I just want to thank you so much for all that you do for us little investors out here. We're working hard trying to save in our 401k plans as much as we can. Uh, Jim, the end of next month, I'm going to be heading out with my wife to Times Square, and I'm hoping to stop at your restaurant and get some lunch. 
but my stock tonight is going to be Microsoft. I don't know when I should buy or if I should buy in, and I, I was hoping that you could help me with that. All right. I'm so glad you asked me about Microsoft because at our charitable trust, at our, at our meeting, I actually said I don't have an investment case right here right now for Microsoft other than the fact that it's been consistently good. So I am not going to pound the table. We've had a long-term position in Microsoft. Is this the level to buy Microsoft? I am uncertain about saying that, so I'm not going to. I will tell you this, though. It's a darn good company. All right, now we're going to just stipulate that it is bleak out there. I mean, really bleak. But I've been through this before, and you know, a lot of times when it's really bleak, it pays to buy. Because six months to a year later, you're saying, wow, how did I have the precious that we will get through this together. Hey, haven't we always? Oh man, money tonight. Retail has become one of the toughest corners of this market. So how is Home Depot faring after last month's earnings report? I'm talking exclusively to the CEO from one of the company's warehouses in New Jersey. Kind of blows you away. Then, in the face of volatility, we like to circle back to a game I started in 2001. It's called MI Diversify. Make sure the portfolios of Craig are able to weather Wall Street's storm. And earlier this week, we had a chance to check out Amazon's Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. And you won't believe some of the things that the company's vice president of worldwide sustainability was able to show us. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching 
engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We know this is an awful moment for most retailers, and it's certainly an awful moment for housing. But somehow, Home Depot's doing just fine. Yep, despite the widespread fear that the home improvement kingpin would struggle as mortgage rates soar and consumers dial back their discretionary spending, the company keeps putting up solid numbers. A month ago, Home Depot reported a stronger-than-expected quarter, sent the stock up 4% on the news. But since then, it's fallen more than 15%. Markets turned ugly. And look, I understand the bear case here. In theory, these guys should be having a very rough time. In reality, though, it just hasn't really played out that way, at least not yet. And that look, well, let's say, let's say it warrants a closer look. Doesn't necessarily say bye-bye-bye, but a closer look. Earlier today, we checked in with Ted Decker. He's the president and CEO of Home Depot, who'll soon take over as chairman, too. It was very enlightening, and it certainly made me feel pretty terrific about the company. Take a look. Ted, first of all, it is great to see you. This is a very big deal for me because your company's fantastic. Well, thank you, Jim. Welcome to Perth Amboy. We are so thrilled to have you at a Home Depot flatbed distribution center. All right, well, the first thing I'm gonna ask you is what the heck is a flatbed distribution center? Well, as you can probably see, we got a lot of product in here, and this is all about job lot quantities to our customers. In a Home Depot store, we've, we've always had job lot quantities, but this is multiples. This is 50, 80 times a normal job lot quantity that we can get on one of these massive flatbed trucks delivered right to the customer's home, right to the pro's job site. How many square feet is this? And I saw one across the street, seems even bigger. This one's about 350,000 square feet. We have eight of these now. This is a small one. They're generally about 650, 700,000 square feet. And then they're paired with another facility across the street that's a direct fulfillment center, so that's an e-commerce facility, as well as sweeping product over here to marry with this product to go out to a job site. And, Million square feet, And you've Jim. doubled e-commerce just in a couple of years? We've doubled it. So we're up, we're up to over important. $20 billion, 14-odd percent penetration. The great thing is we had just rebuilt our tech stack and put it in the cloud right before COVID broke, so we were able to handle that volume to double. And then I like to say we held serve and grew at 18% in Q2 of this year. So double and grow, we love that formula. All right, so let me be looking around and say, oh man, this guy, things are slowing down. He's got way too much inventory. They're going to get whacked. We should try to figure out what slowing down means versus what you do for a living. Well, we're, we're, couldn't be more bullish, Jim. That's why we're investing. We put this strategy together on paper about five years ago. The first one of these facilities, we called it the One Supply Chain, opened up in Dallas in 2019. We have plans to build a total of about 150 distribution centers, different capabilities. This one, obviously, for building materials. But we're going to keep executing our plan, and that includes inventory. We're, we're blessed with a great balance sheet. 
in cash flow, and we're happy to invest in inventory for our customers. Well, what happens if inventory goes down because uh, Fed Chief Powell wants the cost of this stuff to come down? Well, we, we certainly have some, some headwinds and cross currents right. in the environment right now. We know inflation's high. We know exactly what the Fed's doing to tame that inflation, raising interest rates, mortgage rates. We, we all saw this morning at 6%. Right. But that doesn't stop us from, from what we're doing, executing our strategy, Jim. We have a $900 billion total addressable market. It's one of the largest addressable markets in really all of industry. We think about half is pro and half is DIY consumer. We're well sub 20%. We're 14, 15% of that. We have so much opportunity to grow. We have the capabilities, capacity, inventory, as you can see. And we're just going to take share, Jim, in any market. Now, there are people who would say, yeah, you want to take share. But at 6.3%, there's no way that the customer isn't going to get hurt and stop shopping at Home Depot. Well, we're fortunate we have a slightly different consumer. Okay. All right, you saw the consumer numbers were up, retail sales right. were up last month, but we have a resilient customer. Our customer tends to have strong income, they tend to be homeowners, and guess what, Jim, they're spending more time in that home, and that home's aging, right? We're all spending 20, 30% more time, we're not back in the office five days a week. The average American household is now over 40 years old. 55% of homes are over 40 years old. Why is that important? You've got to replace everything. You've got to do all your mechanicals, your roof, your gutters, and then all of the aesthetics, new kitchens, appliances. So there is so much to do in the home with someone whose value in that home has gone up so much. So yes, interest rates are increasing, but what's increased even more is the value of the American home. We think homes have gone up in the last three odd years, roughly 40%. That translates to $7 trillion of increased wealth the, that, in the American not, homeowner. That's not sustainable. We know you and I both don't want inflation raging. We don't want that to get to the point that people can't afford homes. That's true. So the rate of increase is slowing for sure. The real driver behind this and why we're so bullish on the longer term for American housing, this is not like the picture in 2010 when you had speculative lending, speculative right. borrowing, speculative land development and building. What's driving the home values right now is a fundamental mismatch of supply and demand to housing. We think two, three, four million housing units short today of what we need. So yes, we've seen a slowdown in new starts right. in housing turnover as we digest this really rapid increase in interest rates, but the fundamentals are so sound with this fundamental shortfall of supply. That's what makes us so feel so good about continuing on the execution of our strategy. Well, let's talk about this facility because it has a lot to do with your competitive advantage. I think that there's a sense that all there is is a store, which are mine are always gorgeous. But behind it, you've got 50% do-it-yourself and 50% contractors. Are facilities like this that make it so that actually it's very hard to compete against you in this business? This is a competitive advantage for sure. We started this as the one supply chain, and as we've built out, what we realized when we reassessed that total addressable market, 900 billion, again, 50% pro, 50% consumer, 
our pros, there isn't a pro who doesn't go into a Home Depot. Uh, you, could, you can use it as a 7-Eleven. Smaller pros purchase virtually all their materials. The larger repair remodelers have something they call a plan purchase. When they're doing a big job, when they're remodeling someone's basement, when they're adding square footage to a house, they're planning that job out. They're staging the materials, the delivery of the materials, what trades are coming in to work on that stage of the remodel. And that on time and complete large quantity delivery is what this facility is all about. We've got the quantities, we've got the transportation capacity, the delivery capacity, and it's delighting our customers. We've been delivering out of our stores for, we were 43 years old. We, we've had flatbed trucks run out of our stores, but often to get that job lot quantity, they might stop at three stores to fulfill one order. So think of the congestion on the streets, Think of how environmentally and sound that is versus putting everything in a node. This will support about 80, 100 stores. Right. Right. And you get all that concentration of product and delivery capacity in one place versus 2,300 stores across North America. Okay, so we, I want to deal with the negativity of our viewers, of our politicians, of our country. When I heard about, when I go through the notes about Home Depot, what I read is, yeah, but we're all done. Everybody's done doing everything at the home, so there's nothing to do. And that's an actual prevalent view. Yeah. Could, could that be more wrong? I'm never done. I've got. I've still. I've been. You know. I've been working on it for a long time. I still have a list to do. I don't think you're ever done, and that's what's important about the age of the stock and the fact that if people are working, you know, even one two days a week from home. That's 20, 40% more time at home during the work week. It's wear and tear. I've replaced every flapper and every toilet in my house. There's wear and tear on carpeting and flooring, doors opening and closing more. So the repair cycle is going to increase from the age and in, in, in the utilization from being at home. But the remodel does as well, because now you're sitting here going, you know, I've been looking at that for seven years. Now I'm looking at it 20% more, 40% more. I want to get that remodeled. Let's go ahead and kick that project off. All right, so last night I'm with the CEO of FedEx. Terrific guy. And he said to me, listen, we're about to begin a global world recession. World recession to me means 2007, 2010, which you guys came through, by the way, anyway. but." Uh, are you seeing anything like a recession in your business? Our consumer, our customer, pro and DIY, have been resilient. We had strong comps in Q2. And in many different aisles, right? And you we, to make sure people should know that. We the store, and we comped with both our pro contractor and with our DIY customer. There was some softness in seasonal, right. but it's hard for us. Is that a demand signal? because of the weather, we had a tough spring, it was long and cold. Is it a demand signal because someone already bought that item in the last two years that they were home? A lot of it was the outside of the home. Or is it a reaction you know, to pricing or you know, an uncomfort level with the economy? It's hard to tease that out, right. but the balance of the business, the, you know, we're a project retailer. It's all about completing a project, enhance, the value and the enjoyment of your home. That project business for us, Jim, has stayed strong. You made it clear in the last quarter that you have not seen any weakness. You did talk about the seasonal, and that was mm -hmm. because we planners knew that we had, we, we lost a month. Right. Uh, but 
I sense that in terms of, despite the gloom, that your business remains strong right now. Well, through Q2, where, where you know, we, we last announced a, you know, a few short weeks ago, yes, strong. Now, aisle by aisle, I always love it because you guys, I don't know, I, I'm fascinated by how you do your conference call. What are the hottest things? What are people buying right now to make their house better? Oh, my gosh. There's so much innovation in our business. Right. It's unbelievable. The outdoor power category is going cordless. You know, it's truly unbelievable. If you can, if you can drive your car 450 miles on a battery charge, you can cut your lawn on a battery charge. So the the transition to cordless outdoor EV. power equipment, unbelievable. Yes, and it's big for you. And tractors, even tractors. Yes, everything going EV, and you're everything. ready for it. We're ready for it. We have the best partners: Milwaukee, Ryobi. DeWalt, Makita, these are the absolute best players in the industry. There are many of them exclusive to us in big box. Well, in the midst of gloom and a belief that there's going to be a world recession, I got to tell you something, Ted Decker, CEO and president of Home Depot, I don't see it here, and I like that. Thanks, Thank Jim. You. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Appreciate it. Coming up, survive the unknowns, thrive in any market. Kramer invites you to the Game of Games. Play Am I Diversified? Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash Business Gold Card. Does this bear market have you feeling down? You're not alone. I know it's hard to stay positive when things look so bleak, but it's also a good time to reset expectations and take stock of what's in your portfolio. I want to help you weather the storm, so I think it's a good time as any to play MI. Verse 5. Now, this is where you call me. You tell me your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, or maybe you need to mix it up a little because you might not be protected enough from the bear. Why don't we start with Jackson in New Jersey? Jackson, you're our first caller, and what do you got for me? Hey, what's up, Jim? Booyah. My five stocks Booyah. I got for you today are Tesla, Abby, Berkshire Hathaway B, Prologis, and Northrop Grumman. Am I diversified? This kid's got horse sense. All right, look at this. Abby, charitable trust name, great yield, good numbers coming. Prologis, the stock I recommended in 2008, coming out of recession, and it still stays strong. You know I believe in EV, and the only real one I believe in is, is Tesla. I would prefer 
Lockheed Martin, but Northrop Grumman is a very good defense stock. And Berkshire Hathaway, what are we going to say? It's the master. Let's call it, let, but let, as regard to him, let's call it a conglomerate, drug, uh, rental, storage. How do you want to store it? We'll call it storage, uh, auto, and defense. Jackson has what I call game. Let's go to Ben in Illinois. Ben! Hi, Jim. This is Ben from Illinois. And I'm a big fan of the show and was hoping you could help me out with my portfolio. My five stocks are Nike, PayPal, Meta, Amazon, and Ford. Am I diversified? Thanks, Jim. This is tougher. This is tougher. First, I was distracted because I didn't know Illinois looked so cool. Okay? I'm so used to New York. I haven't seen Illinois since the fugitive. Told me we'd be safe there. All right, so PayPal is finance. Amazon, we're going to say, is a conglomerate that also does mainly retail. Ford, and these are both charitable trust names. Ford, we know, is the great automaker. Uh, Nike Apparel, not doing that well because of China, but I think it'll be okay. And here's the problem. Is Meta too much like Amazon? I am going to say that Meta, which is the old Facebook, has got so much in the hopper that it might as well be a finance company. They've got to start charging, charging for WhatsApp, Instagram. There's a lot here. I'm going to say they're different enough to have auto, uh, tech, retail and Amazon Web Services, finance and apparel, and I'm okay with that. I'm not great, but I'm okay with it. Next up is Jenna in Texas. Jenna. Booyah, Jim. It's Gina from Texas, and I'd like to know if I'm diversified. I'm holding Google, Oxy, Merck, Pioneer Natural Resources, and your favorite, NVIDIA. Name the dog after NVIDIA like my late dog. That My dog answered NVIDIA if you had a stake in your hand. All right, here we go. All right, Occidental, that's an okay oil company. Pioneer's a better oil company. So we're selling Occidental. We're going to add a little bit. we got healthcare here already. Why don't we put it? Remember we just said Lockheed Martin? We'll get a little Lockheed Martin in there. NVIDIA, the very big conference call this week, very big meeting. Uh, I don't know if it stops the stock from going down because there's still a lot of interest in it and not enough people have done the work. I think this uh, Gina has done the work. Uh, Alphabet is a very inexpensive at this point uh, fang name. And then Merck, really good drug company. So we're going to get rid of Occidental. We're going to put in Lockheed Martin. NVIDIA's tech, NVIDIA and Alphabet. Can we coexist? This is now being reduced as an advertising company. I'm not kidding. And this is being reduced as a gaming company. I am telling you they're not. I'm willing to accept the fact that we've made that one change, and that's all we need to do. I think we ought to speak to Bill in Alaska. Bill! Hi, Jim. This is Bill from Anchorage, Alaska. My five stocks are Amazon, Apple, Devon, AbbVie, and Blackstone. Am I diversified? A lot of Chapel Trust names here. Definitely must have attended yesterday's well-attended meeting. All right, now, this is really hard, okay? Because Apple, the launch has come, right? We know that happened today. Stock is down a lot. I don't want to sell it because you don't sell Apple. You own it. Amazon and Apple are trading together. They are. They're just trading together. There's nothing I can do about it. I, I said at the club meeting that Amazon had another $2, $3 to fall. Not going to make them sell it because it's, we expect the fact that when it gets down, a 2 3 bucks, we're going to buy it for the trust. Don't want to put down beating your face on that. Devin looked very weak today, but that's okay because it's got a gigantic yield. Blackstone, very good yield financial. Uh, Abby, by the way, very good yield drug company. So good yield drug, good yield financial, good yield oil. And then we are in a little worry about Amazon, Apple. We sure wish we didn't have another tech name in. I mean, I'd even, I'd even take Union Pacific right now over Amazon. Uh, it's tough. I'm sitting here. Actually, I'm standing here. 
And there's so many tech stocks that people own that you can only imagine how difficult it is to try to get diversified. But diversified, we must. Much more mad money ahead? Amazon itself has its sights set on a sustainable future. And I'm seeing how the company is putting its money where its mouth is with the vice president of worldwide sustainability from the Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. Then my Chapel Trust made a big purchase today that subscribers to the CBC Investing Club know about. And I'm sharing what was behind our move to get into a consumer packaged goods kingpin, or you can more appropriately say, uh, scale in. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Back on Monday, which seems ages ago, we got a chance to hear from Amazon Web Services about their sustainability initiatives with the business on track to hit net zero carbon emissions by 2040. In fact, they take it so seriously that when Amazon won the naming rights to the new home of NHL Seattle Kraken a few years ago, did they call it the Amazon Center? No, they decided to call it Climate Pledge Arena. And when it finally opened its doors last October, it became the first net zero carbon certified arena in the world, relying on 100% renewable electricity and even using reclaimed rainwater from the hockey rink. We were lucky enough to take a walk around the facility with Kara Hurst, the vice president of worldwide sustainability, who's perhaps the most powerful business person in America today when it comes to fighting climate change. Take a look. Well, we are most fortunate to be with Kara Hurst, who I think is the number one sustainability <laughs> officer in the world in front of Climate Pledge Arena. Why, does it, why is it called Amazon Arena? Oh, well, you're very kind, and we're so excited to have you in Thank Seattle. You. Um, yes, we thought what an amazing opportunity to take this landmark that's so important to our community in Seattle and to use it to remind people of the fight against climate change and everything we do to inspire, to show how it's possible to have an amazing experience at an arena like this with all the incredible concerts and games that are here uh, in a sustainable way. All right, so uh, I see solar roof. A lot of people realize that if you put a couple of solar panels together, it's going to heat uh, a room or maybe light 10 light bulbs. What does this do? So this actually, the facility is 100% powered by renewable energy. You'll see some of the solar here on the newly constructed part of the building. Um, The roof actually has an incredible story. So we saved the roof. Uh, It was the original roof of the old key arena. It's 44 million metric tons. And it was saved, which is an incredible carbon savings. Um, that's why, though, it's historic. You can't put solar on there. There's some other solar here on site. And then there's solar energy uh, that's done in a utility scale. So it is powered 100% by renewable energy. Okay, so, Kara, I think we're all thinking if it's done all electric, it can't be cool. You don't <laughs> have the power to do something cool. That this looks like it's cool, right? Yeah, this is one of the biggest LED displays uh, of any arena, and we use it to make people, to bring nature inside uh, of this experience. Um, obviously, when we don't have events, it's turned off to save electricity, but it's a really cool experience to come down here on game days. You have the Kraken, uh, the Seattle Storm, the concerts. It's really an incredible, immersive experience in the arena. All right, so I admit it, Kara. I, I pinched it. I pinched it as low as it had to be plastic. How I hope you be did. Plastic? I hope you. I hope you got up close. That's what we want people to do in this corridor. It's amazing. So now you have to picture everybody in cracking gear, head to toe, hockey fans with their beers, coming down the hallway, enjoying the game, enjoying this amazing facility. 
but coming in here and starting to talk about climate. That's exactly what we wanted to have happen. We wanted people to experience this in a really positive, visual, exciting way. And so there's facts and there's information that are being communicated on these boards around, but it's just an incredible, again, bringing nature into our experiences, and it's absolutely beautiful. How many uh, people around the country come to you to try to get answers, try to solve problems? Because I think you're probably in the, you're the most indispensable person when it comes to these things in this country. What we wanted to do with the Climate Pledge is why we made it a pledge. We could have done this as Amazon. We've certainly made our ambitious commitments as a company, but we wanted to make it a pledge to invite other people right. into that opportunity, right? To say, this is a collective experience. We're not going to do this alone. So we have well over 300 companies in the pledge now. Um, we're bringing them together to do industry activations, whether that's in transportation or it's in the built environment or it's in cloud computing, to think about how do we move together faster? We gotta share what we know. We've got to move faster together, and we've got to iterate fast. We've got to be transparent about what we're doing, get the metrics right, and then talk about it. All right, so what do you do? You're a shareholder of Amazon. You're thinking about buying Amazon. An older person might say, look, this is, what are they even doing here? This is ridiculous. How does this make money? A younger person, what do they think? Well, this is table stakes for anybody, you know, in, in sort of younger generations. They absolutely have to know that your company is thinking about this, that you're acting in responsible ways, environmentally, socially, um, which we are, and we're super proud to tell them about. And then, you know, I think for the older generation, it's, just, it's a bit of education about this is the next realm of innovation. We need to get out ahead. We need to be in hydrogen. We need to be thinking about renewable energy. We need to have sustainable products because that's what customers want. We're customer obsessed at Amazon. So this is the next evolution of our customer obsession. All right, Carol, let's go see some more stuff. Well, we are, after all, at a sports arena yes. and we're playing ice hockey on ice. Where do we get the water for the ice? Well, that's another really fun part that I hope lots of people learn about. We have cisterns that collect Seattle rainwater, one of our renewable resources here in the Pacific Northwest, and we use that to make the hockey ice. So we call that the greenest ice in the NHL. Okay, well, how about the greenest trash? A lot of people, single use, there's nothing we can do about it? Right. So we're looking to eliminate all single-use kind of items that are in, within the arena, and that starts with plastics. And so that's one of the really hard things to do. And again, where we need participation from the beverage companies. We have PepsiCo, who's a signatory of the pledge. Um, and it's amazing to see their willingness to come forward and say, yeah, we know we need to reinvent our business. So we're going to eliminate single-use plastics in the arena by 2024. All right, so what do you do about the single-use plastic thing in, in the boxes that I get when I order so frequently from Amazon? How can we end what I think a lot of people say, you know, on Amazon, this is for show. I get my box, one book filled with plastic. That's got to stop. Yeah, we've been working on waste elimination and packaging for a long time, well over a decade. It started with frustration-free packaging, which is our 100% recyclable, easy to open, uh, kind of no clamshells, no twist ties, and that's evolved into things that ship in their own container. So we've taken out 38% uh, of the waste since 2015, and what we're doing there is a huge win for us. We send less material, we consolidate the package, we get to be, have more recycled materials, and it's a win for the customer. Nobody wants to have that, that waste at the end of the day. So we're working again with all of our partners to also make sure that they can ship us product that is already in a box we can ship out. We don't have to put an Amazon box over it. Slap a label on it, goes to you, no extra packaging. We don't have enough Kara Hearst in this country, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Vice President, Worldwide Sustainability at Amazon, thank you for everything Thanks you do. Thanks so much for being here, Jim. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round, next.
And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski Daddy, tell the lightning round. We're going to start with Brent in Oregon. Brent. Yeah, this is Brent. My stock is uh, Ella Albemarle, ticker ALD. I'm just wondering if it's too expensive here. Uh, it has come up a great deal. You would be buying too close to the high. I suggest that you wait for it to come down a little, but I do like the situation very much. Let's go to Joe in New York. Joe. Jimbo, booyah. Booyah, Chief, what's happening? So, haven't heard you talk about this one in a while. My stock is Nikola. I think that stock is lethal, frankly. It's down 50%. I don't want to own it. Uh, it's losing more money than I can ever dream of. That's not the kind of situation I want to be in right now. How about John in Illinois? John! How you doing, sir? Uh, the I'm stock that I'm calling in about it. I'm okay. The stock that I'm calling in about is ICO. I like this company. I like ag chemicals. I still like the ag sector, by the way. A lot of people turn I'm going to give you a twofer. I also like John Deere. Now let's go to Eddie in California. Eddie! Yeah, Jim. How you doing? Booyah. I am doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. My question is about Chenier, LNG. I don't think it's too late. I think Chenier can still go higher because that's how bad Europe needs our natural gas. I'll give you a two for one. I'm throwing in Tellurian, too. T-E-L-L. I'm getting the hook here. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, does this market have you on a razor's edge? Make Kramer a staple of your financial research diet. Mad Money will be right back. more Procter & Gamble today for the Chapel Trust, like we told investing club members that we do at our monthly meeting yesterday if the stock kept going lower. Sometimes it's painful to buy more, but we had to pull the trigger because the story is finally playing out like we expected earlier. The cost of making things at Procter has gone down. Look at this box of seven razors. Do I think people will suddenly start shaving more? No. Of course not. If anything, the rise of remote work means people are going to be shaving less than they did before the pandemic. What makes me like Procter comes down to the cost of everything that goes into this box of Gillette razors. More accurately, what I like is the box itself. When you look at the front, clear plastic. When you turn it around, it's paper. After climbing for ages, the price of paper and the price of plastic have finally hit a wall. In fact, just this morning, Jeffrey slashed numbers and ratings for the package companies for this stock right here because of what they're calling a massive inventory overhang. Now, my father used to sell what's known as liner board for a living. So I'm all too familiar with the cycle here. You never just get one price cut in this industry. What you do is you get a wave of them, and they keep coming and coming and coming. In other words, the razor box will cost Procter less and less and less. Plastic's coming down, too. Chemical giant Huntsman pre-announced today, and Dow stock. Wow, if you look at that, it just keeps going lower and lower. That means improving gross margins for paper and plastic buyer P&G. It means this stuff's costing less, too, and that translates into directly higher sales. Of course, if you look closely, it says, poor lipricks to six. Well, it might be pre, but it rhymes, more pricks to six. 
which means we aren't going to make as much money because we sell these things overseas unless they think that's really funny and they put it in American. Now, there's been no let up in the ever rising dollar and a strong dollar means that foreign sales get exchanged for fewer greenbacks. That's going to hurt for certain. But I don't think it'll offset Procter's gains from the declining raw costs for this, for this and for this. So what's the broader take for the market? Sadly, nothing. The Federal Reserve isn't going to look at razors and say, hey, they've gotten cheaper. The Fed wants to take down all the help wanted signs across the country. They only do that by raising rates, which brings immense pain to the portfolio and also the value of your house, coercing many retirees back into the workforce, which is what they want. Plus, by making it more expensive to borrow, companies are less willing to hire. Powell can't fix the tight labor market by inviting immigrants to work here, even if some governors want to airlift asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard. That's up to elected officials. But Powell can force people to go back to work by bleeding their investments. That said, it's too bad the Fed doesn't seem to care about little things like the cost of making Gillette razors, or perhaps even big things like the hideous pre-announcement from FedEx last night. They have their data, and the data shows that we still have a labor shortage pushing wages inexorably higher. There still aren't enough houses either. We need gluts everywhere, but there are still too many shortages. So what's my takeaway? We don't need to know what the Fed will do to help or hurt the stock market. We already know everything that goes into this package, especially the package itself, is finally coming down. And that's good news for Procter & Gamble shareholders, including my charitable trust. I like to say there's always a bull market summer, and I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you Monday from San Francisco. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.